Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about the wedding job. That is episode eight. Eight? Episode seven? I do this every week. Order. What? They're not? Yeah, they're not. It should have been episode three. It was really episode seven. Seven. I want to say seven. Seven, according to Yeah. So I'm joined today by Adele Buck. Welcome back, Adele Buck. And, and Lisa Lynn is joining us again, too. So get ready for us to be excited and talk over each other, <laughs> which I'm excited about. So today's episode aired on January 13th, 2009. It was written again by Chris Downey and John Rogers. This is the first one that they've written again since we've, since the first one. And the director was Jonathan Frakes. Yes. Which is so exciting as um, a, you know, a next generation girl, uh, very exciting. And then I just love every time his name pops up as a director, because he's done a lot of stuff. And the first time I noticed him directing a TV show, it was Roswell so, in the early aughts. And I loved Roswell. And I was like, what, Jonathan, what? So in this episode, we've got a, a small business owner who has been framed by the mob for a murder. Um, he has to take the fall for a, a mob bus. And his wife wants, she wants revenge. She wants the money back that they lost when their restaurant closed. To do that, the team is going to infiltrate the mobster's daughter's wedding. It's Let's very exciting. Let's go steal a wedding. Let's go steal a wedding. Yes. And they did. Oh. And except for the dresses, it was a beautiful wedding. <laughs> right? Oh my God, that was one of my notes. That was the most awful. Oh my God. It's like they, they uh, keep, they, like, it's the shine yeah. and then the pushing and the, then the, the colors. The, the, the rosettes, the blue rosettes that were not in any sort of order when Parker wears it, they're like all in a line, but there's like a gap between the very last two. And the maid of honor, hers are like, there's a gap in the middle. I don't know. <laughs> the, the color is horrible. They, they, they were, they were, they were quintessential, <laughs> terrible bridesmaids. Yeah, like just leaning into that trope. Yeah, I mean, let me tell you, as, 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 a, as a very fair skinned, like, cause you're, listeners can't see me <laughs> very fair skinned very fair haired woman i was in my very italian best friend's wedding and she had us wear dresses that for me was basically it was a naked dress oh no the only thing that saved it is it is that when if i wore a strong lip i didn't look like casper the friendly ghost but i was feeling the <laughs> Because, oh my god, I have worn the bad bright <laughs> and like, And this was before 27 dresses, people. Like, Yeah. I've had a dress with that ruching, though, I'm going to be honest. And it was lime green. So... It was such an 80s <laughs> thing, though. It was like yeah. neon colors and the, the acrylic. It was hideous. It's yeah. So but they're leaning into that, like, the, the trashy, tacky mobster's wife aesthetic as well. tacky, Yeah. They're in the McMansion, lots of marble and oh, that and ridiculous <laughs> staircase. <laughs> Can we, can we talk just one second? Can, wait, wait, can we talk for one second about <laughs> the fact that more than one person calls Nate, more than one ostensible Roman Catholic calls Nate reverend? In the yeah. What's that about? 
I'm, I'm sorry. My, my, my in-laws are Roman Catholic. I don't think they would call a priest reverend. No, you would 100% always call him father. Father, yeah. Um, if he was a deacon, you'd call him deacon. And Sophie calling also, calling him a vicar that makes sense because she's English. Boy, too, so he should have known better. So yeah, they should have been picked. They're mobsters, like by default, they're Catholic <laughs> as Italians, so they should all have been calling him father. But at the end, they're like, "What denomination are you?" Well, well, and too that that the 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 like the the big like the guy who is as wide as he is tall mm -hmm. when he comes in to the study after the the, the father of the bride is called Nate Reverend a couple times yeah you know, the big enforcer dude comes in and I love this big bullet headed enforcer dude by the way he's, he's kind of sweet like he kind of like smiles and he's like he's so perfect like, oh. comes in and he's and he calls him father and I was like okay now that's a real Italian dude yeah. So I was straight thinking, Jersey, straight from Jersey with the tracksuit and the gold chains and everything. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is my thought because, well, one, as a Catholic myself, uh, it is very, I want to say very, very rare. I've never been to one Catholic wedding, not in a church because it's a sacrament. So you don't have it there. So I don't think that the husband, the, the groom, I don't think he's Catholic. Because he says my pastor from my church couldn't come. So I think they're playing into the, like, oh, we're going to have it under his religion. And then we can also have it here. And it, we can we can wine and dine our clients. Maybe, so I think I think that's what they're playing with. But they don't they don't explicitly state it. So yeah. Episcopalian, maybe whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know how Episcopalians do their wedding. Guess, but, yeah. like, this is last minute, so we're not gonna quibble. Reverend Father, he's a man of exactly. the dude, dude in a in a you know a Roman collar. Okay, Wait, let's go. Let's go a little chronologically. So, I assume most people have seen the episode, so we don't have to go through the whole thing. My first question: How did Sophie and Teresa become friends? Who the hell knows? How does Sophie? It's like, oh, it's Sophie's friend. What is she in? Like an actress? How is Sophie making friends? Sophie probably had just normal women. Charm the crap out of her. That's probably how it happened. But but where? I want I want to know where. Were they at the grocery store? Does Sophie go to the grocery store? No, I bet I bet just Sophie ate at the restaurant and thought it was amazing and she had the best meal of her life there and she was chatting up the the owner's wife and they became buddies and. Oh, yeah. That I could okay. So wait, wait, wait. As as a cinematog a cinematographical point, one of the things I noticed about this, and I've seen this episode a zillion times, <laughs> a zillion times, because I love it. Because I really, really love the awful Heather. I love watching. <laughs> She's fucking mm -hmm. okay. But I never noticed that the episode starts with. The clearing of the tables, the pulling up of the stuff, the putting of the the the, 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 the chairs. And mm. the last scene is set up with the putting back of the table. Yes. Oh, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> stuff back. And it, I mean, it's so basic. It's so classic. Duh. But it really does. I mean, that's beautiful. Yeah. It, yeah. That is such an amazing insight. And it opens with instead of like our regular leverage music, it's got the you know, the quintessential Italian mm -hmm. uh, music. And then it, it ends with this like nice jazzy, like friendly number instead of the leverage music as well. Right. Look on that. Oh my gosh, at the end, they're so sweet. Okay, but we'll get to that. 
Yes, that's such a, uh, I love having other people yeah. talk to you about this. It's so good. Since this was the, this was the third one filmed, but it was like the eighth one. Seventh. Seventh. Seventh one that came up. I, I thought it was really interesting to kind of see like the way that Nate, because now we're watching them, you know, in the way that they aired and we're, Nate is less Nate-y than he is in the beginning. And then in this one, we get him like just a total grump about like, what, what's happening here? Like, who's this lady? I thought I picked the clients. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, uh, and you can really, there's several points in the episode where you can really tell that it was aired out of order. Um, but Hardison's like, well, I, I guess now's not the time to talk about Christmas. <laughs> Think about the miracle job. So funny. Yeah. Miracle job because, like, you know, Parker kept assisting. St. Nick was Santa Claus. Yeah. I think that's the episode we find out Nick um, was, what, what, I mean, Nate used to be, was actually in seminary before he, um, mm -hmm. that's how he knew Father Paul. So I was, yeah. So, like, so that was, you know, that was our Christmas episode. episode. Would never believe that he was ever going to be a man. He was ever going to be. Who imagined that he would like go be go to seminary and put on the collar and like like with that attitude? Yeah, he, yeah. I think if that had been switched the right way, that that plays more into their shock when they're like, "What? You were in seminary?" <laughs> right. Oh, you just impersonated a priest. How? And I think that's another reason why they're going for like the reverend pastor thing. Because I do think maybe even as a lapsed Catholic, he would still feel a little like, maybe I don't want to act like a priest priest. I don't know. But even about this particular episode is that one of the things I thought was very interesting for me, because this is just my reaction, is that the, the Nate Sophie stuff, in terms of their interpreting their relationship through this thing and they're sort of breaking the fourth wall of, of the con to mm -hmm. talk about their relationship was way broad. It was like super scenery chewing. Whereas the Hardison Parker stuff was lovely and delicate and, 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 and subtle mm -hmm. by comparison. And I, and I really, I, I really kind of wanted to go, to like go back in time and say, Frakes, could you get <laughs> seniors to tone it down? Yeah. And match the junior t squad because the junior squad's doing it. All right. Yeah. They're doing a better job of this. I wonder. <laughs> Kids, yeah. Yeah. Well, in the miracle job, that's the scene where they have, where Nate and Sophie have that thing where she says, you don't have anything to be guilty about. Like we never, you never cheated on your wife and things like that. And that seems delicate in that way. This one, when I was making my notes about it, it's just Nate and Sophie can't be honest when they're being themselves. They can only be honest when they're lying. Yeah. And Hardison and Parker don't have that. Like Parker's just Parker all the time. I mean, she learns to be a con later, but, and then Hardison doesn't, you know, he's hiding behind a screen all the time. So it's, I think it's easier for them to be honest with each other face to face, which means you can be a little more delicate. Whereas if you can only tell the truth through lying, it's got to be this big over the top. But it doesn't. It doesn't. I would disagree. Because, it, it, I mean, Sophie is the queen. I mean, think back just even to the to the very beginning, the Nigerian job. Mm -hmm. she, she is walking the mark through, just threading the needle. 
So mm -hmm. she, she has the capability of doing it. Nate necessarily, <laughs> because when Nate's on the con, you know, he 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 does all of these. Oh, yeah, hi. <laughs> <laughs> he gets so hammy. Like, why doesn't everybody see through this? Because yeah. I don't know what Timothy Hutton's choices were. I, I don't know. Having fun. Maybe because so Sophie's emotions was just getting the better of her because this is her friend, and which made me think about the first scene when she was reading and she was explaining to me. No, this is just a isn't just a matter of getting the money, you know. It's yeah. I could write her a check, but Moscone needs to pay. This has to hit him, or otherwise, it's no good. It's not gonna. It's not. It's not gonna be made right unless he pays. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So I thought maybe because she was just emotionally invested, so maybe she was just off her game. I mean, but I agree. Like if you see, like that scene where she was playing Saul Rubinette. Oh god, the his Yeah, his, his character But she just like walks out of the office and knows he's following her. Right. Oh mm. no. <laughs> she, yeah, when she's on her game it's just like holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. And I then, wonder and Pearson was like, that was a good try, man. And then she she drops the Pearson name and then both Nate and Hardison are like, what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know and this is where we also get some more of nate's morality like the nate version of morality is if this guy was ever in bed with the mob he got what was coming to him he knew what he was doing he took money from them for his business and these are the consequences mm. and and he has to be persuaded into taking the case by hardison like just take the mob out of it and then they all they're you know this is exactly our kind of job nobody else will take this on and this is, this is, it's a breach of contracts. Well, that, that, like, that's way to get that. Forward to the juror job. Oh yeah. Because then, you know, because this, this, I can see the DNA of Nate saying to Hardison in the, the whatever juror job, the sixth juror job, or whatever it is. Number juror yeah, number six. Number, yeah, that you know, you have this skill. You you can you you you're basically a natural lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's what he's doing. I mean, Lisa, Lisa and I are both lawyers, so hey, <laughs> ah, um, <laughs> you know that that whole like that that whole argumentation is is very lawyerly. So take the mob out of it. You know, yeah. Re reset the equation. What does that look like? And how much does the mob actually matter in the in the whole scheme of this particular scenario? Not necessarily a lot. So, yeah. The and then there we go. Then it's what Nate needs to see so he can move forward. Right. He's such a jerk in that scene with that lady, though. He really is. And you can see her, like, at first, like, she feels very comforted by Sophie, and like, Elliot is even being very sympathetic right in the background. And she, you can see her process. Oh. Really oh, oh, I see. I know. Really yeah. good day player that oh yeah she's excellent and he's just like we'll discuss it and get back to you and she's like i can sense a brush off 
Yeah, I know what those are. Nate was just like myth from the beginning because he just walks in and sees Sophie with the client. Like, what is she doing? That's my job. So I, he was just like not in the right frame of mind from the get go. He was These are my toys. You can't play with them until I say you can play with them. Well, it seems to me that there's down down the road in later episodes when they are in the, the bar in Boston, that there's a similar scene that happens with Parker. I can't think of the actual episode, mm -hmm. but I think there, that there's like several se several seasons later, I think there's another similar scenario where it's because it's like Nate is in control and then Nate has to cede some control to Sophie, who he mm -hmm. a lot, so that's fine. So, and then several seasons later, oh my God, now Parker's doing intake? Oh crap. <laughs> yeah, well, but Elliot got to do that with the two horse job. Like he brought, brought them to, but I guess he brought Nate to them and now, then he got to make Parker. That's true, that's true. Has the show ever addressed how these clients find the team? I mean, obviously with this episode, this was a personal friend of Sophie's and, you know, so, but... Um, you know, well, like, Father Paul, because, uh... You know how they ended up in Juan, California, who the client was, so, like... Yeah. <laughs> I assume, assume, I assume they find the Leverage website. That's when he walked through and went, Parker is crazy. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, you know this. Hashtag Parker is crazy. Hashtag Parker is crazy. But but yeah, I think at some point John Ryan <laughs> does address it, maybe even a bunch of times when he was doing his vlog series when he was writing Kung Fu Monkey. Um, I don't recall what the specifics are, but I think there's a lot of hand waving involved, honestly. <laughs> I think it's a lot it's of word of mouth. Like I think some people say I heard from someone. Question answered, by the way, from John yeah. Rogers himself. Very cool. Yeah. Adele sent us some links uh, to questions answered, asked by her, answered by John Rogers on his blog, which was really cool. <laughs> back back when this show was airing, at least early in the early seasons, mm -hmm. he would basically um, do a, a quick blog post on his blog called Kung Fu Monkey, the, the archives are still there, talking about some of the, the generalities of how the, the episode was produced, some of some pithy, funny stories. And then he'd open it for questions in his comments. And so then the next entry in his blog, he would answer some of the questions that came from the comments. Mm -hmm. and, and, and when I say some, it would be fairly lengthy. Yeah, I had to scroll down a bit to find yours. <laughs> he would really, you know, devote a lot of time to answering questions about process about what happened in the writer's room about what happened in production and you know like, like character motivations like why would why was parker doing this instead of that or like the fan base was like hardcore they dug into the nitty-gritty i love that like I from the get-go that's really cool yeah uh oh we've got parker teaching teresa's daughter to pick locks that was adorable like, and that was uh, i think it was the ad's daughter Actually, she was so precious with her little curls. She was. Yeah. And I wonder if she actually got her how to pick locks. That is how Parker would relate to a child, teach them lock picking skills. Absolutely. Like only Parker yeah. would think that's appropriate to teach like a ten year old. Well, these are the. That's probably what she was doing when the girl walked in the room. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, let me show you. Right. I liked the other the other way that Sophie convinces Nate to take the job, in that she's like, you know, on top of it's a broken contract, it's she is waiting for her man she's waiting for her man for 15 years like 
can you imagine how hard it would be to wait and wait for someone? I'm just like, oh, okay, I guess we have to take this job. <laughs> like you said, yeah, I just turn that knife. Your heart when she talks about how Moscone's daughters are getting her princess wedding and her babies have to see their dad through a prison, through prison yeah. like, and that was just oh my that's God. heartbreaking. Like you said, she that actor was amazing. It was mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Be, so before we before we get super bogged down in the like opening scenes, I think we really have to delve into that van. <laughs> McSweet and Taggart. Taggart This was the episode we were supposed to meet them in. The first yeah. episode, not the bank shot job where you when you and I discussed how they just came in at the last minute. And so if they had ended in the correct order, that scene at the end of the bank shot job would have been so much more hilarious. Yeah. Everybody would have been dying. Like, oh wait, I know those guys. I'm the coffee, you're the cream. <laughs> as as, as the show, it's almost kind of really funny to have it be a throwaway mm-hmm. in the bank shot job. You know, where, where you, you it's like when you're rewatching, you go, oh my God, those guys. I didn't yeah. notice them. But, I love, yeah, I think it works both ways. I I honestly think it's hilarious either way, especially when you get to like know them a little better. And they're so, they're so precious. And just like- Workers all up on McSweet and trying to get her bed. (laughs) Yeah. Just talk about how that was a running thing the whole episode. Parker just has no sense of personal space or boundaries. She was unzipping- Or what you should say to people and not say to people. Oh yeah, you're fat. Why do you think I'm letting the stress out? What, what do you, you buck weigh? 50? Buck fifty. Oh my god. Yeah, buck fifty. Oh dear. Oh, <laughs> poor precious ginger baby, just crying. But yeah, no, and just like both sets, both pairs of them, just like ad libbing off each other, basically. Just like, do you have any food? We, we have meat sticks. It's <laughs> half eaten. I'm like, what do you do with the rubber? What do you do with the rubber gloves? <laughs> Can we talk about how lucky that awful stepmother was? That- was that when she spit out Elliot's food? Oh my god! Look on his face. Yeah. And the way he was gripping the knife, like, oh my god! <laughs> she was like, and the, fact, the fact, by the way, the costuming of her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, I, I, I mean, I hate Heather, but I love her because she's so freaking Italian. And she's so great. Freaking diva, because here she is. You know, there's scenes where she's she's on the phone and she's like, no, I want the thing and I got the thing. And her hair is all flat on top because she hasn't yet added the extra. Oh, yes. Oh there my God, is- that added hair is so horrible. It's so awful. But the higher the hair, the closer to God. But, but, but wait, also, <sighs> she is wearing a white dress at mm-hmm. her uh, stepdaughter's Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's trash. That is trashy. Trash. That poor, that girl, Maria, she was so sweet. And you just like, the whole time she's like, a dozen white doves? Like, my, that's not what I want. My memory. I was like, no. Oh, my best so goes into the, like, the stereotype of how the mother-in-law, and it becomes the mother's thing, and like, it, and they hijack the wedding. Yes. You know, and it's in like, who cares what the bride, it's like, oh god, she was horrible, but I, 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 I almost had that. I have, I have an Italian mother-in-law, and that <laughs> me, but I just said no, uh, because I didn't care. Um, but my best friend in the entire world, 
who I have known for over 45 years is an Italian girl named Maria <laughs> with, with cheeks just like that girl's. And I just, every time I watch this episode, her, you know, her parents are much kinder to her than me. no parallel there. Maybe less crooked. Yeah, but yeah, no, her, her dad's a dentist. He's just, he's an okay. upstanding man. Um, <laughs> but I, I look at that girl and I think, oh my God, she could be my Maria's sister. <laughs> Oh. It makes you feel even worse for her. <laughs> and she's marrying, she's marrying such a no stop. But oh, he went whale watching for his bachelor party. Like what? A, he's he is a milksop, but he's a precious milksop. And I'm so excited that she's going to Kansas and getting the fuck away from this mob family. Yes. Yeah. But he's so clue free, and yeah, he'll take it. He'll, he'll love her. Yeah, like no wonder the crew did what they did to make like okay, we're gonna give you the bag of cash, like go forth and be happy and, and never come back here. Yeah. Like this and is you better story. never mess with them again. Go live with your husband in Topeka, Kansas. Like it's all good. <laughs> I don't know if I, no offense, to Kansas people, but I don't know if I'd wish Topeka, Kansas on anybody. I've never been there. It's probably wonderful. I have no idea. <laughs> People in Texas and jerks. I'm sorry. Asked, so no comment. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, is um, your DC or any better? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Adele, you, like, did you point out in our, our chats this morning, um, wanting to point out that it is very obvious that they are not in Chicago? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> you watched it. I, he mentions that they're, that they're, they're, <laughs> LA and I'm like when did this happen wait when when does he say LA it does at some point oh I I was still assuming we were in Chicago so was I it's just so there's a little weird continuity crap going on so leverage HQ has always been in LA all right but maybe we have to keep Chicago and then they just after they got picked up, like they just said, our base is in LA when Hardison set up leverage and like set up the headquarters. Maybe. Okay, I I'm gonna, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go back and do some forensic work, and um, <laughs> and going forth, we're gonna look for clues as to where we are. I genuinely thought it was in Chicago until they obviously moved it to Boston and then up to Seattle or whatever, Portland. Right. Portland. Um. But yeah. So, hmm, hmm, because that's definitely not a Chicago. <laughs> Yeah. environment they are in um let's see oh was Nate's rant about weddings being cons because like all due respect to Dan Laurie all I could see was Kevin Arnold's dad the whole time from the Wonder Years oh, oh yeah ah. okay that's what he's from okay I didn't even look him up I did see the actress who played Heather she um is on an episode of the Mindy Project this for the oh. final season I was watching yesterday and I was like oh my god I just saw her in Leverage well, <laughs> 10 years older and Dan Lurie is in like everything that's true so he's, that's he's true. one of these character actors who's just in everything but but and I never saw the Wonder Years so but but yeah but I, when I he can swing really scary and he can swing really sweet mm -hmm. you know, it just depends on what project he's in yeah that's nerve-wracking he's Saul Rubinak <laughs> yeah, yeah you can buy him as either yeah oh and by the way have either of you ever watched the Nero Wolf mysteries no, we talked no. about this in the first episode. Or I've just never gotten around to it yet. Oh yeah, because it's it's got so many. It's the same people, including um, uh, the guy who plays 
Saul Rubinak. That, that is Saul Rubinak. Saul, sorry, sorry. Isn't that his real name? Yeah, that's his real name. Wherever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I need to, we need to get on that. Dubinich, yes. Yes, there we go. Victor Dubinich. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, so good. Sorry. Another <laughs> for the Nero Wolf Mysteries. Yes, um, all the, to the same all the plugs for that. Same cast. And I think Nicole Sullivan played Heather, and I think, again, she's one of those character actors who does, who's like in everything. Mm -hmm. I think she was on Blackfish, she was on King of Queens. Yeah, she she's in Blackfish, yeah. She, and um, I think they've got a lot of crossover from King of Queens because Dean Devlin did King of Queens as well. Ah, uh, yeah. So I think they, they bring in a lot of people that they know well. Let's okay. see. Oh, oh, so the scene with Elliot and Hardison in the kitchen talking about, oh, I would, I could never see myself getting married. And then mm. that was apparently a filler scene. I guess they needed more footage. And so they just like put that in afterward. And of course the, it makes less sense watching it now as episode seven than if we were watching episode three, because the woman they're talking about is Amy. Cause we know Amy. So why wouldn't Hardison be like, oh yeah, I remember Amy. Right. Yeah. But I do also love what did you do when she wrote when she married another guy? What did I do? Liberated Croatia. And he's like, oh, see, that's where we're different. I would have just gotten fat and opened a comic book store. I'm sorry. Like, are we allowed to curse on this podcast? Yeah, sure. Because I think I made Okay. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. I think I think this is the first episode where we see Elliot's like cooking skills, right? Yeah. Like because Nate's surprised at it and he's like, what, you think I can only bust heads? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's so Hold into like, it and he loves cooking. Ellie has way too many hobbies. I love Christian so much. Yeah. Because Christian himself apparently is a very good cook. Of course he is. And he yeah, sings and he plays guitar too. and he's a freaking renaissance man. Why is he, why does he not have like 17 children? Why is he not married with like because he's too busy singing and cooking and yeah. need to be passed the cleaning act are yeah, a rabid true. fan base as well like they love yeah. their man mm -hmm. um yeah they're called the caniacs yeah. like yeah. that is that's rabid if you're calling yourself caniacs yeah get it caniacs while respecting his life and privacy of course so the the team has been just like searching the whole house for this for the oh, money I'm that sorry. they know is hidden there. Oh, um, I love Kate I Noble love actually wrote for the librarian, so she's met Christian and she like vouches that he is exactly as you think he would be in real life. So. Oh, that's upsetting. <laughs> I almost don't want people to be that great in real life. I love when uh, Taggart and McSweeten are like, oh, I can't hear anything because the sprinklers are on. Imagine if we had bugs all over the house. And then they're just like, yeah. And they're imagining, and then Hardison's just like dropping them wherever like, they are. Like, and he has a different outfit. He changes his outfit when he goes from forest to DJ. Ranunculus, and he's like all over the house with like this. And then in the van, yeah. and he's like, like <laughs> and in the van when, when Hardison is looking around, and that's all you've got, that's all you've done, like, and he's a like, bug. Hold like, yeah. me, bug. Hold me back. It's in the barbecue. <laughs> right. I feel like that's not a great place to keep a bug. What if someone fires up the barbecue? Right. Yeah. And like, and and. So we don't see Moscone as the guy who's out there grilling of a night. Remember, we're trying to talk Elliot through the break-in, and he has like, okay, just get it on the flash drive, and then they yeah. go. <laughs> 
He's like, it'll just do everything for you. You just gotta plug it in. He's like, it won't plug in. What do I do? And he's like, I don't know, punch somebody. Oh, I'm gonna punch somebody. <laughs> that was such an amazing scene. But I thought it was so telling that how fast technology moves and and how and slow our government is at keeping up. Yes. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I agree. I mean, like in movies and TV, FBI is just elite elite force, but like the real FBI, they 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 lack manpower, they lack resources, their their offices are not up they they don't they don't have old computers they have old technology they yeah. it's not up anything it's horrible mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> and then and her, it's like how, how am i supposed how was i supposed to know they were back in the 1980s <laughs> yeah and i i love um elliot's kind of his worry he's like and i don't have to do anything i don't have to type anything like i just learned that photoshop you taught me <laughs> I'm like oh my gosh and he did he used photoshop to make his uh his id badge yeah and still mix sweeten i've never had that that much ease transferring an image from one file to another right well i mean if your teacher is alec hardison maybe no naturally good at everything like we also talk about speaking of like long character arcs and the way the show is going to evolve and the way it's it's been set up the moment when parker you know hardison basically says how did, how did you how did you defuse the whole russian situation and parker was like i pretended i was drunk and that i was there to meet you to have sex yeah it was very oh, scooby-doo <laughs> And again, I think I think this goes back to how the team kind of takes for granted all the back back end stuff Harrison does with the tech and the seventy hours of tape. Right. Yes. I remember the scene where they were pissed at him for missing the butcher of Kiev. Like we haven't even talked about the butcher of Kiev yet. Oh my gosh. Baker of Kiev who could kick all our asses. Yeah. And they were like, "How did I pick up the butcher of Kiev?" Was there? I was like, and Harrison. And then, and then they switch, they switch over to the FBI, and they're like, oh, I see the Millers are here. There's a lot of Millers. And then you're like, oh, that's why, because everybody has a freaking genius. And when you have this crappy intel from the FBI, what do you expect? You can only fill in so many gaps. Um, but speaking of the Butcher of Kiev, we got to talk about that guy. I thought that was a... That guy's that great. So that's Jackie Chan, like how they were just using yes. props. She just picked up the pan, and that's just something Jackie does. Like in a lot of his movies, she just picks up whatever prop is there and uses it to fight. Mm-hmm. So, and in this instance, a, a whisk. And, and <laughs> John Rogers worked with Jackie Chan. Yes. Oh, yes. And this guy, um, the Butcher of Kiev, is played by Anthony Delongis, who actually like trained Christian Kane, apparently. Um, and so they're like good friends and if you go to the um imdb page for this this episode in the pictures there's two pictures for this whole episode one is a screenshot of sophie being beautiful the other one is is christian kane and anthony delon just like just goofing off after or during that scene and they're like holding knives at each other just like grinning like fools and it is the most adorable thing i've ever seen of men holding knives and uh, <laughs> But yeah, he's amazing. Like he was like the lead swordsman um, on Highlander, 
and he taught whip work to Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford wow. for Batman and uh, Indiana Jones. So this guy has like, <laughs> he's got some cred. Um, yeah. And then Elliot takes him out. I think this is Elliot's second actual murder that we've seen. Because <laughs> he, no, no, no. he punched that guy. He did that, he did that throat punch. That could be lethal in the second episode. Like Timothy Hutton almost steals the scene when he just walks in and looks. And did you just kill the guy with the hors d'oeuvre? And he's he's out of breath. He's like, maybe. The thing is, I, I mean, he took him out with the lemon juice to the eyes. I don't, I don't think the guy's dead actually. <laughs> okay, good because if that's what it just, all it takes to kill the butcher of Kiev, then yeah, it's yeah, it's it's like he's what it's sort of more like. Butcher Kiev, side of Rabar, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, remember, the cake maker of Kiev could kick all of our butts. So, like, no, the Butcher Kiev is yeah. no small thing. Like, yeah. like, let's remember that. Yeah. I loved uh, Elliot's initial, oh, great, did he bring the lamb? <laughs> <laughs> no, not not that Butcher. Like, um, he was taking the job so seriously, and he was like, he, he's what? like, I got 200 people to feed. I don't have time to look for money. These books aren't gonna sous vide themselves. Yeah, I love that when they get so into the character that they're playing yeah. that it, it almost hurts the con because yeah. it's so deep. Like, no, I, I'm focused on this thing here. Well, actually, that's, that's the cover of what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, but it's really fun. Right. And it's not my real job, so I really like it. Right. It's my real job, I would hate it. Pride in his work as a chef, so, like, you know. So, yeah. okay. So, um, just to talk about the plot for a, just a hot second, they, they realize, <laughs> they realize that, um, the money, so Moscone meets with Sergei, the bad dude, and they go to get the money from the screening room and the money's gone. So Parker has to help save Moscone from being straight up murdered in his screening room. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you're in so much trouble. Oh my gosh. The father is the bride. Um, sorority girl it was just so perfect oh god so good she's so good i love the scene with her hiding and she's like smushed up against the glass which is so like screwball comedy and that it's just great and she's like moscone's here <laughs> still smushed so heather has stolen the money because she knew it was in the screening room and she's about to or she's gonna pay off the the pipe for that very well because he just yeah. said you know Moscone did it under her her name so like you know so they could so take him. the money from his accounts and and he's gonna be killed by the the Russians or whatever and um and they'll they'll still get their money and so, so she's trying to like leave do they catch her oh they no they don't catch her but they let him find out that she's run off with the you know just run off and so he goes to change all of the the codes and, and passwords for his account so she can't get to them. Which Hardison overhears. Which Hardison can overhear and then promptly empties those accounts, but leaves him $5 for socks. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that tableau where like Hardison's just standing there like looking just lovely. I love that outfit that he changes into for the, his DJ role. Um, and then- The infinity scarf. I love the like I love all those colors, all of those blue pants. Crazy jacket and the yeah. Yes, I just I love anything he wears. Um 
Uh, and then Nate walks up and then they just kind of like talk. Off. Yeah. Um, Nate comes up and asks him the question, and then the Moscone's just standing right there, and they're just talking about how, how they've just stolen his money. But then Nate goes over and has this, like, <laughs> amazing, like, just Nate loves his, like, dramatic irony just too much. Yeah, he should be on the stage. Well, the, all and, that subtext, he is basically telling Moscone, you're screwed. And mm-hmm. he and Moscone thinking he's trying to comfort him because his wife was a no doubt, no good, low lying, blank, blank, blank. Yeah. But she's re- he's talking about him. People do get what's coming to them. Better on so many levels. When subtext becomes text. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. So this was painted with a broad, broad brush, <laughs> not finely detailed, which is great, and I, I, I like that a lot in this episode, especially. Um, so they get the they get the money. We didn't talk about the wedding at all, the actual wedding, but we we did mention it with Nate and Sophie being so over the top. I love that she cried. I had to plan an actual wedding with the setup oh. with the chairs and the flowers and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think most of that stuff was already there. Well, also, I mean, I mean really, the whole the whole as as I'm, am I the only person who's actually had a wedding? Yeah. Okay, so I've been the maid of honor in three. So here's, I've been a maid. I've been a maid of honor. I've been a bridesmaid. I've been, I've been a bride. Done the wedding. <laughs> I bow to your expertise. Then. So here's yeah. here's the thing about weddings. It's all it, Nate is Nate. Nate is right. A, it's a it's company. a billion dollar industry. It's also what it really is is it's, weddings are theater. Marriages are a whole different thing. Yeah. And, and too many people focus on the wedding and not enough on the marriage. How am I going to live with this person for the next 50, 60 years? They're just focused on the day, on the, this on the stress. This is true. This is true. Hold on. What I'm about to say is that what's interesting to me is that Nate and Sophie are kind of all bound up with the wedding stuff. <laughs> But these young people, these two very young people, Maria and what's his name? <laughs> Did he ever get I a think name? Ben? Does he does he have a name? I think he has a name. I don't remember it, but Neither do I. Call him I'll look it we'll up. Keep talking. <laughs> they are actually focused on what's what really matters. They are actually focused on what really matters. The the two young people are really not very interested in the wedding and the pageantry and the theater and the con and all whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. what they're interested in is each other and the life together and and that it's it is a it's like a real tertiary thing happening in the entire plot engine of all of this stuff going on but it's actually kind of lovely yeah yeah his name's adam by the way um, oh, okay. Oh, so the last scene that we mentioned at the beginning with the the restaurant opening back up, they surprised Teresa, and uh, not only with the the restaurant, which her husband was so happy to hear about, but then with the news that Moscone has been arrested, and because of that, her husband will be let go, which is wonderful. And then the cherry on top, Elliot comes out with a tank top on, right? With the yeah, both. 
with bowls full of pasta. Right? Which is just some oh. great fan service. Like five cups and pasta. Yeah. Like what that's that is a business model. Right. <laughs> right yeah. Biceps and bolognese is what it would be called. Yeah. That's like a Miss Fisher episode. Yes. Oh my God. She would totally like bankroll whatever endeavor. Somebody was like, I would like to start this. Would you give me some money? And she's like, yes, darling. Here you go. I, I have I'll be there every night. So the table with me. Fanfic crossover. <laughs> um, I'm going to open up AO3 right now and check. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> so yes, any any last thoughts, and then we'll get into book recommendations. Oh crap! Book recommendations. Tagging <laughs> <laughs> kind of sweet and more adorable. That moment, like the eyes lit up when when Juana Hardis's bugs caught, and they and they heard Moscone's confession when he was being threatened by the Russians. You killed my brother. It was an accident, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, we got it. It. yeah." Adorable. And they don't even Which question the fact that they're not in the barbecue. <laughs> Right. Which yeah. plays into how, what one of the things John was like talking about in his blog, how basically, you know, Tiger McSweeten's rise of the FBI is because of the crew, and they don't even realize it. They're just riding the crew's coattails at this point. Right. No, they don't question those windfalls at yeah. all. So very good. We'll never have uh, bridesmaid's dresses that ugly. Don't oh, let your God. mother, your stepmother, run over your wedding. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let me do a book recommendation really quick. When I was, um, I was worried about what I was going to recommend, uh, but when I was listening to the uh, the commentary, they said the one of the main inspirations for this episode was stuff that they they'd like written on a whiteboard, and they wrote Scandal in Bohemia because John Rogers is a huge Sherlock Holmes nerd as well, and so they just wanted to put Nate in a priest's outfit, <laughs> and so like that was the whole kind of impetus for that i'm like wow that's a that's a big leap <laughs> to get nate in a priest you know outfit uh so i was gonna i was gonna talk about scandal bohemia really quick which is of course one of the classic sherlock holmes stories it's where we meet the infamous irene adler or irene adler however you prefer i like irene the yes not the just any woman. um not yeah not just any woman um, which is just one of the best, ep best episodes, the best uh, Sherlock Holmes stories where he's bested by somebody and he does dress as a priest and she dresses, I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, no, the King of Bohemia uh, comes to Sherlock and Watson in like the worst disguise ever and he is immediately deduced, but he has... Um, a case for Holmes and he needs him to retrieve an incriminating uh, piece of information from this relationship that he's had with this adventurous and opera singer and uh, Holmes is not at all sympathetic to this guy but it's paycheck and he tries to get it back from him for him and things don't go quite as planned so that's I Scandal in that Bohemia. Story. It's one of my favorite Sherlock Holmes stories too and I think and I love that how Sherlock basically did linguistic like forensic analysis like analyzing the letter like only mm -hmm. a german would scarble the syntax and like these yes kinds. yes and as someone who's studied german i'm like that's so true <laughs> and the paper and and then just the way the guy stands and and things like that yeah. are fascinating yeah. and it's really interesting how it gets interpreted 
Irene Adler is always the love interest of Sherlock Holmes because heteronormativity. But, um, and she's like the only woman who holds a candle to him. So, but that makes sense at least that you'd want someone who's your <laughs> equal as a partner. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I actually, I have to admit, I have not yet read this, but my friend Kat, Kat Sebastian mm-hmm. did write a book with a vicar as one Ooh. of the authors. It's called It Takes Two to Tumble. <laughs> and uh, it gets amazing reviews on Amazon. And uh, hey, Vicar. Is adorable it's and it's like I'm putting that in my Goodreads right now. <laughs> right. Yeah. I bought the other one you said, and I haven't had a chance to read it either because I'm no. reading about where <laughs> Honey Badger's right now. So, Cat's writing is just freaking delicious. So, my eyeballs can't keep up with all of the books I want to read. I keep like reshuffling and reshuffling and reshuffling all of my TBRs for very mm. reasons. But yeah, I. I would always recommend more cat. Okay. Cool. Lisa, you got a book for us? I was going to recommend um, Edgar Allan Poe's The Purloined Letter. The Purloined Letter. Yes. Uh, I think it's a, I think there's, um, it's this detective C. Auguste Dupin. I think (laughs) Poe may have been a precursor to the detective, like Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. Uh, It's a similar setup to A Scandal in Bohemia where um, the inspector comes on at the behest of this royal noble aristocratic feet like like mem- family and this member has a, a very compromising letter that was stolen and um, and Dupin kind of pulls a bit of a, a con um, and he does a profile of read of um, the minister who stole the letter and he kind of figures out where he was hidden and how to in his trust to get into his house and then go get and get the letter back. So um, that is my recommendation, the Purloin Letter. Excellent. We've got Vickers, Vickers and cons and classic and mysteries. I think may have dressed up as a, as a priest or as a, a reverend or something in, during the course of the story too. Oh maybe, my god. Maybe. That would be amazing. Maybe. Can I, yeah. can I, uh, confess that the only knowledge I have of the Perlin letter, besides like studying Sherlockian history, is the Wishbone episode, the Pauloin letter. Yes! Oh my god, I love Wishbone! I was like, I was so to watch Wishbone. Yes. Did you ever watch the Pride and Prejudice episode of Wishbone? When I've Wishbone seen that one. Darcy? <laughs> For those of you who are too young or too old if you're not in this like sweet spot so okay so wishbone was a show on pbs that started dog (laughs) this adorable little terrier and he lived with the regular family in modern day america but throughout the course of an episode something would remind this dog of a piece of classic literature and then (laughs) then then act out Glass of literature, so the purloined letter, and then they all had like dog themed puns. But they did Pride and Prejudice, the purloined letter, uh, Tale of Two Cities, the Odyssey. I'm pretty sure they did the Count of Monte Cristo, Robinson Crusoe, Huckleberry Finn, um, and then they have novelizations of them as well. And I still have them in my library, and I I still give them to people. But definitely a a lot of classic literature that I read when I was older was very much helped 
by me having seen these this and dog then, like, play over, these characters because it made it understandable to me. Christine, we have a real life situation that would apply to like the plot of the book too. Yeah, so yeah. It was just the whole thing. Christine, yes. so, so <laughs> to, to that point as well, when I was a kid in the 70s, 80s, a family friend of ours had given to us gigantic grocery bags full of comic books. Okay. Mm. Like, moldy crappy comic <laughs> but a lot of these were classics illustrated yes okay classics illustrated mm-hmm. and so i had three musketeers a lot of shakespeare all of that from mm. all these grocery bags full of classics illustrated comic books so you had a foundation for it when you read it later <laughs> yes similar to wishbone totally totally similar to wishbone yeah i love that right now there's a series from um, a publisher called udon entertainment and they do the manga classics so they've taken um almost every single one that uh wishbone's done even though not all of them yet but they've got pride and prejudice sense of sensibility emma jane Eyre, um count of monte cristo Les Mis, uh, Jungle Book, and a couple others, and they do them in the manga style. Their best one is the Scarlet Letter. Everything is in black and white, except they inked the letter A. And it is so powerful. It's so good. It made me want to go back and read Nathaniel Hawthorne, which nothing else has since high school. Yeah. So, it, but it like, it totally makes it appealing. <laughs> so weird yeah it's great episodes of wishbone on there what's the story oh my god oh okay i've got to i've got to go um so we're gonna wrap this up really quick thank you so much for joining me ladies uh tell us us where we can find you on the interwebs adele go first you can find me on twitter at underscore adele buck and adelbach.com on my on my uh, website which i've been curating a lot of romance theme lists so if you really want a difficult heroine or you want you want a book where the author is subverting the usual character archetypes i've been working on lists and crowdsourcing those so Cool. I didn't. I didn't know you were doing that. That's awesome. Oh yeah. You have a list of adorable pets too, right? Do yeah. you not? I, I've been trying to think of like themed lists for a while now, and I've got a few in the queue. Um, but but you know, <laughs> a few in the queue. I got a few in the queue. <laughs> so that's me. Okay. Awesome. Lisa, go. I'm just at Lockresta One on Twitter. That's usually where you'll find me. Twitter is my platform of choice. Lisa Lynn Books. That's my website. I'm not as cool as Adele, so I haven't <laughs> thought of an idea to curate lists and crowdsource it. But find me on Twitter. Yes. Find and because she's fun. Yes. Um, and I'm Librarian Steve on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. If you just Google it, you'll find me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And you'll, uh, you won't see us, but you'll hear us again in two weeks when we talk about the eighth episode, which I don't remember the name of. We'll find out next time. I think it's the Mile High. The Mile High job. I freaking love this episode. Okay. I'll see y'all later. See ya. Bye. Bye.